You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Sports have been a huge part of Navy veteran Jared Linehan's life. As he gets older, he continues to find himself more involved in sports. It was while he was climbing in Italy that Jared fell to the ground, sustaining significant injuries. But that hasn't stopped him. Nor has it altered his love and passion for climbing. In fact, Jared is currently ranked the seventh best paraclimber in the world in his division, and he hopes to open his own adaptive climbing gym in the future. So my next guest is Jared Lenahan. Jared, thank you for being my guest today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So you uh, came to Move United through the Warfighter Ambassadors Program, uh, and we, we will talk a little bit about that. But, you know, I just really kind of want to get to know, and for those, the folks that, that are listening, get to know you a little bit better. Um, let's start with maybe, you know, how pivotal was sports in your life, you know, growing up? Oh, so growing up, I was always into a wide gamut of sports from basketball, baseball, soccer. Um, and then I delved more in, into some of the more, I guess you could call it counterculture sports, you know, such as uh, snowboarding, skateboarding, skiing, um, stuff like that. So I've always, always been an active person. And um, yeah, sports has been a huge part of my life. And even more so as I get older and older, I'm finding myself more and more involved in the sports world. And uh, so did you play, so you mentioned those team sports, did you play team sports through middle school, through high school, you know, all the way through high school, or did you make that pivot to, to some of those, uh, uh, as you said, counterculture sports uh, earlier than that? Um, so the regular sports were more through middle school. And then in high school, I kind of delved more into the whole skateboarding, snowboarding, uh, you know, the extreme sports. And um, obviously, after you know, after high school, at some point in time, you made a decision to to join the military, and and you went into the to the Navy. Um, why did you make that decision? Well, there were a few reasons for me to uh, want to join. Um, one of the main reasons was to get out of my small town. Um, another was being able to travel and see the world at a very young age. Um, I also wasn't ready to go into college right away. And I felt that the military would be a great stepping stone until I was ready for that. Um, also, my grandfather had served. He was the only other family member to have served. And uh, when I was younger, he used to take me to his barber shop, where him and a bunch of old vets would always tell me all their stories. <laughs> and um, I'm willing to bet that played a small part in me joining as well. Definitely. Those family, uh, there's, there's that family... Um... Uh, not pressure, but just, you know, the, the, the ethos that, that comes with the family uh, right, values right. And, and everything. Uh, at, in my case, that was definitely important. My, my father, my uncles, my grand, both my grandfathers on my mom and dad's side all served. And so that was, you know, just part of, part of me, if you will, when, when I decided, when I made that decision as well. And, and uh, why did you choose the Navy? Well, um, 
actually the Navy was one of the first people that I spoke to. Um, I went in there, tested, I scored well on one of their pretests and, uh, we started having a conversation and I liked what they had to say and I ended up joining. And I, and I know one, one of the things that you did in the Navy was, uh, you, you took up photography and, and you, and you did some photography. Was that, was that your, your occupation or, or what kind of role did you play uh, uh, during your, during your service? So my main job in the Navy is as an FMF corpsman, or for anybody who doesn't know what that is, I am basically a field slash combat medic for the Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, now that was my main job. And the camera stuff, um, everywhere I went, every duty station I was working at, I always had my camera with me. Um, so I ended up taking on some public affairs roles before I had deployed. And then when I deployed to Afghanistan on a provincial reconstruction team, um, the team did not have a combat cameraman or a public affairs officer. Uh, me being the lowly enlisted guy, you know, they weren't too sure if they could trust me with these jobs at first. But um, I proved myself early on in the pre-deployment training, and they actually allowed me to take these roles on. And so these were my secondary jobs while I was deployed downrange. Yeah, and 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 I've I've seen your photographs and photography, and and uh, know that you definitely have a knack for it and a skill for it. How how did you develop that particular interest? So that started way before I joined the military. Um, I might have been 12 or 13. And this is when point-and-shoot cameras were first starting to come out. Um, My mom had one, and my uncle noticed that I would always be using her tiny little point-and-shoot camera. So I think he convinced her to get me my first camera. Um, I took that thing everywhere with me. Um, Used to shoot a lot of concert photography Mm -hmm. uh, and skateboarding as well. Um, I ended up joining the military. I was still very into photography, so I actually ended up selling my first camera right as soon as I joined. I saved up a little bit of money and then upgraded to my next fancy camera. <laughs> and, and and so what what is it about photography? I mean, I, I love I'm a shutter amateur shutterbug myself and 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 so what is it for you? what What does photography represent for you? Oh man, photography represents a lot. Um, It allows me to show the world exactly how I'm looking at something, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The way I view it, the way I see things, I can directly put that on paper or, you know, on on digital and people can see exactly what I see. Um, And that's something I get to control because, you know, life seems like a lot of things are controlled for us. So if I can have, you know, a few things here and there, um, it just helps me feel more me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I in my pursuits, have, have taken up photography just, you know, just for that reason, just to kind of chronicle, you know, my life, my journey, um, my, the, my lens, as you, as you put it, the lens that, that I see through, see things through. And, um, and sometimes that's, people often it's places um because uh, i just want to capture that moment uh you know kind of forever if you will <laughs> in some ways hopefully hopefully it lives forever as besides just the memory in my, in my in my brain oh absolutely absolutely and um you still uh actively shooting um photography 
Oh, almost every day. Um, that's kind of part of my regimen. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that I love to do. And I feel like I need to kind of work it into my schedule because it's one of those things that I know is makes me happy. And if I can do more of the things that make me happy, I just end up being an overall happier person, if that makes sense. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> we should all strive to have that goal. <laughs> and you talked about your deployment. Did you have more... Um, one deployment or how many how many deployments did you go on? Uh, just one deployment. I was on a deployment with what's called a provincial reconstruction team. It was a multinational joint task force. Um, we, so we had Australian infantry on our team, Slovakian civil affairs, uh, army infantry, state department, USDA, USAID, uh, Australian Agency for International Development. It was a huge team. Wow, that sounds sounds like a complex uh, <laughs> a project and endeavor as well. And, and um, did that fit into your uh, you know your notion of being able to travel travel the world? I mean, I imagine when people say they want to travel the world, there's you know maybe some countries or some places on that list. How did this fit into that that role or scheme for you? Well, you know what? When I think traveling, I'm I'm not exactly thinking Afghanistan. However, I did volunteer for the deployment because, um, you know, I felt like it was my duty. I felt like I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to leave the military, but with at least one deployment under my belt. And, and so let's talk a little bit about how you got into just the introduction of the adaptive sports community. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a big story. Um, <laughs> We've so got that, time. <laughs> right, right. So that goes into my story. And uh, so I guess I should start with that. So September 2014, uh, while rock climbing in Italy, I ended up taking a 42 60-foot drop straight to the dirt, uh, broke my whole body, almost died. I don't remember the fall at all. Um, Luckily, where we were, we were right next to a road. So the people who were belaying me on the ground, one of them was able to run out to the road, wave down a random Italian guy, Uh, They brought him over to me. Apparently, my leg was up by my head, and it looked like a murder scene. Um, So this guy calls Italian EMS while um, the two people I was with were trying to stabilize me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Helicopter comes out and a bunch of EMS personnel. They stabilize me, put me on the helicopter, and then I get sent to a Sicilian trauma hospital for about five days, in which I don't remember a single day of that. Um, and then from there, I got transferred to a hospital in Walt at, um, in Germany, where I believe I spent two weeks there. I don't remember any of that as well. And then I got transferred to Walter Reed in Bethesda, where I spent the next about four and a half years recovering uh, from that fall. And so throughout my time at Walter Reed, you know, I had been going through a lot of physical therapy, occupational therapy, all of that. Uh, you know, hanging out with all the wounded warriors. And um, that's basically how I got my introduction to the adaptive sports world. Because, you know, everyone at Walter Reed, they're going through similar stuff, major traumatic injuries. And, uh, you know, we're just looking to get back to a physical spot that, you know, we used to know. Mm -hmm. And um, luckily, Walter Reed and physical therapy and the adaptive sports folks down there they're very, very cute into these worlds. And um, before it was Move United, you know, it was Disabled Sports USA. And um, 
yeah, through Walter Reed, I got connected with Disabled Sports USA slash Move United. And um, I've kind of just been building my relationship ever since. You've been able to pick up climbing, uh, you know, post-injury, you know, in, in the, in, in the uh, in, and continue uh, climbing. I know that you've competed at, at some um, national and international championships. Can you talk a little bit about, about that? Sure. So to continue my story, um, so I did my recovery at Walter Reed over four and a half years. Um, the first two and a half years, I spent time in an electric wheelchair. Uh, I had to fight my way out of that thing multiple times. Um, I had to wear five different external fixators on my leg. Mm. Almost lost my leg each time I got a new one p- uh, put on. Um, and then here, I'll give you a quick list of all my injuries. <laughs> so on my right leg, I broke my tib fib. On my left leg, I broke my femur. I've got a rod in there. I broke three toes on my right leg, on my right foot, two toes on my left foot, uh, two fingers on my right hand. I broke my left wrist in three places, fractured two ribs, kidney laceration, liver laceration, and a moderate traumatic brain injury. So anyway, um, recovering at Walter Reed, uh, electric wheelchair for two and a half years, external fixators, five of them over three and a half years. And, and, and for those for those that don't know what a fixator is, can you can you describe that? It's a, basically a contraption with metal or titanium going through muscle bone, and it's holding the bone in place because it was in a bunch of different pieces. And so this was so that we could either stick some bone from the rest of my body and put it in these gaps that were in my leg, or it's also to stabilize the bone as it's healing. Okay, so yeah, I was going to say it's so it's kind of a stabilizer for the bone as it as it re- regenerates, if you will, or, or or heals. Right, and so I got that last external fixator off of my leg, and I believe it was twenty end of twenty seventeen, and then in I believe January of twenty eighteen, I on Facebook I found out about Earth Treks Rockville's first ever adaptive bouldering competition. So I'm reading this event and I was like, what's adaptive climbing? And I was reading it and it was explaining how this was for people with disabilities and there were different categories of disabilities. And I was like, oh wait, I actually fit into one of these. This is something I can do. So I was like, I I didn't think too much of it. I was like, you know, I'll go and compete, see what happens. Um, It was me and maybe six or seven other climbers Um, And I actually ended up taking first place for my category. So a bunch of people there, they were like, dude, you, you should train for the adaptive national championships that are coming up in June. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) You're Uh, like, what's that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I love climbing. I'm just finding out about this adaptive stuff. I'm like, yeah, let's try it out. You know, new fire under my butt. So I went and trained Um, and went out to Ohio with another buddy who also lives in Maryland, who's an adaptive climber. Uh, We both competed in the same category, which is the physical slash neurological disability. And um, neither of us thought we did well enough. We were sitting down to hear the results, and they ended up calling me up for third and him up for second. And we're looking at each other. We're like, dude, holy crap, we just made the U.S. climbing team. (laughs) Um, and things kind of got a little nuts from there. 
And, and, and what, so was that like immediately after, was that in 2017 also, or was that like, uh, was that later in 2017? No, I believe this was 2018. That was 2018. Okay. And then we trained for the IFSC, the International Federation of Sport Climbing, uh, Paraclimbing World Championship. And this was in Austria in September of 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's kind of a quick trajectory, right? Yes, yes. And I'd also like to give Move United a shout out for giving me a grant to help me get out to that competition. Um, They were a huge help. So again, thank you guys. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, obviously that journey, if you will, is, is, um, you know, a local competition in Rockville to, you know, a larger competition in Ohio. What was, what was it like, you know, going to kind of an international competition in a, in a different country, obviously much more, much higher level competition. What, what, what were your kind of thoughts and maybe expectations going into that, that particular world championship? Well, honestly, just to back up just a little bit, it was it was crazy to even make the team in the first place because um, <laughs> neither of us were expecting that. So, you know, we just went out to Ohio thinking, hey, you know, we'll go compete. We'll have a good time. Um, not expecting to make the team at all. Um, and then we make it and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, now we're on a plane out to Austria. Um, I was able to pick up a couple sponsorships because of this story. Um, so I'm actually an ambassador for Arcteryx, Washington, D.C., as well as an uh, Move United Warfighter ambassador. Mm-hmm. And that's I'd like to attribute this to my story, but um, it was sort of surreal, you know, just being out there, representing for the U.S., um, and just having, coming from where I was, you know, as I was doing it, it's like I realized I was putting in hard work, but I guess it didn't hit me until... I guess I made the team and I was just kind of looking back at everything as far as making the team, getting sponsorships, um, getting to travel the world. It was just, it was wild. And and subsequently since that um, first world, since that world championship in Austria in, uh, in September of 2018, you know, what other uh, has, has it been able to provide you with additional opportunities? Have you, have you competed in, in either other national or international events? Yes. Yeah, so in 2019, I went back out to Ohio for the Adaptive National Championships uh, with the same buddy. We both didn't think we did well enough again. And they called me up for third again and him up for second again. And we're just looking at each other like, dude, <laughs> what is going on? Um, so anyway, we made the team again. And then we went out to Briançon, France for the uh, IFSC Paraclimbing World Championships. Um, So in in Austria, I was able to get eighth place. And then this time in France, I was able to bump it up to seventh. So I'm actually the seventh best adaptive climber in the world right now for the uh, category that I'm in. That's awesome, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. And and obviously, twenty twenty probably changed significantly, you know, due to due to COVID. What what are your what are your continued expect, ex, expectations or or thoughts and pursuits in this in this space? 
So even since the pandemic started, um, I've been able to figure out ways to climb uh, pretty much the whole time, whether it's climbing outside. Um, I actually built a contraption on the outside of the garage and I actually really? climb up it up the side and then end up going up on top of the roof. <laughs> I, I've seen pictures. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the climbing gym, the local climbing gym is uh, open, thankfully, and they've done a really good job with the social distancing and the COVID rules. So I really appreciate that. But um, besides that, I'm actually in the process of building out an off-grid camper van. Um, and I'm actually extremely close to doing that. And the reason I'm building this van, which has solar panels, uh, you know, insulation, electric systems, uh, water systems, everything, is so that I can continue to go climbing all around the U.S. And so that I can also reach out to other adaptive climbers and maybe potentially bring them along for some adaptive climbing. Um, and some other things I want to do with this van is also run the business that I'm working on. I'll be running it out of there as well. That, that's awesome. And, and I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about, about your vent, new venture. Uh, before we do, you know, one of the things that I think, since we've talked about COVID and, and we're, we as a country are still dealing with the pandemic, you know, climbing, as you kind of alluded to, is one of those activities that, that you know, people can still do or, or can do um, either, you know, by themselves or alone or, or, or outdoors and outside so, so that you can adhere to, you know, some of the, the, the guidelines and recommendations that, that are, are, are set for us. Um, you know, is that, is that, uh, is it a sport that you would recommend to other people? Oh, wholeheartedly. Um, if you've never been climbing before, please go. You, you should have a great time. Um, and, and if anybody out there ever wants any more information on climbing or would even want to meet up and go climbing sometime, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I want to pass climbing on to anyone and everyone. It's changed my life for the better, and I know it can do the same for others. And like I asked maybe with photography, what is it about climbing that is that is um, uh, so compelling and, and uh, you know, makes it a worthwhile, you know, uh, activity or endeavor to, to get involved in? Well, climbing, it just, it ticks so many boxes for me. So you have the physical aspect, mm -hmm. but there's also a huge mental aspect. So when you're climbing, it's, you're also getting over some of your fears, but you also have to do problem solving with your body because if you make one false move, you know, you're not going to end up getting up this climb. So you have to actually think about where your hand's going or which foot is going where, uh, where your center of gravity is. There's a lot of thinking involved in it that maybe not a lot of people know about. So you not only have the physical aspect, you have the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. And then you not only have the indoor communities, you have the outdoor communities. And now when you go to an indoor gym, if you go to another one, chances are that you're not going to be able, you're not going to be climbing two of the same routes. Usually you're always going to find something different. So you can potentially never go bored because there's always something new to do. There's always something harder to work on. And then when you go, when you venture outside for these adventures, it's a whole different world it's just this huge world that, you know, you get into hiking, you get into scenery, you get into nature, you feel more connected with nature. Um, honestly, I could go on for hours about 
climbing and how great it is, but it just, man, it, it ticks so many boxes. And yeah, I think, that, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that, that that's a good point to, to, to um, distinguish, distinguish the values of both indoor and outdoor climbing. And uh, I never even thought about the, the indoor uh, climbing gym kind of perspective and that each, you know, each climb and each um, wall, if you will, or whatever it might be is, is different. And absolutely, because you can go climb one and, okay, say it's too easy for you. You can, there are so many different difficulties that you will never be too good for it. Um, it's just, it's for everyone, honestly. It doesn't matter if you're full able-bodied or if you have disabilities. Um, anyone and everyone can do this. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing. So your, your, your passion and your enthusiasm for climbing is, is contagious and, and it's evident. Um, that kind of leads into what, what you are uh, venturing into. I know that uh, it might be a little early in the process to reveal everything, but uh, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're, what you're working on. Sure. Um, just to give you a gist of the business that I am, have been working on opening. Um, so my idea is to open up a climbing gym the world's first climbing gym tailored to the disabled communities. So for adaptive athletes, wounded warriors, just anybody who's disabled. And again, this isn't only for the disabled communities. Everybody is welcome. However, this will be the only climbing gym in existence tailored to the disabled communities. Um, I, we're going to put in an adaptive obstacle course, an adaptive fitness center. Mm. Um, we're going to even be 3D printing prosthetics for our members hmm. more on that at a later time however um, i'll have you back how's that sound <laughs> <laughs> sounds great is there anything else jared that you'd like to mention or talk about um you share with our, our listeners um that we haven't discussed already well i will say as far as the business goes um i just recently went through this fellowship program that really helped me figure things out as far as learning the business world and it's a program called a Dog Tag Bakery Fellowship Program. If there's anybody out there who's um, a disabled veteran, a spouse, or a caretaker, and they have entrepreneurial endeavors, uh, I would highly recommend looking into this program. And again, that's the Dog Tag Bakery Fellowship Program. And I feel that because of this program, it's giving me the tools I need in order to move forward to open up this climbing gym that I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to them because they were huge. You know, I earned a uh, certificate in business administration from Georgetown and uh, a lot of other great stuff that that program does that I don't think anybody else in the world is doing. So uh, yeah, there's that. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you can be passionate about climbing all you want, but that doesn't mean you can open up a climbing business necessarily. And, and, and we all come from different places with different skill sets. So it's important to think, you know, think, you know, about the business side of things um, as you, as you're going into that. And and you mentioned people can get a hold of you. I know. What are some of your um, either social media platforms that you you know that are kind of public or that you would, if people did want to kind of contact you, what was the, what's the best way? So really, I'm really only active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if anybody wanted to look me on Instagram, I am Instagram.com/slash/shutter slaps that's s-h-u-t-t-e-r-s-l-a-p-s 
Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they can shoot me a message on there, a comment. Um, if there's somebody in our community that wants to either try climbing or wants me to talk to somebody about climbing, please reach out. Um, this is for everybody. That's awesome, Jared. Well, thank you very much for being uh, our guest. And I look forward to hearing more about uh, your adventure as we, as we progress. Thanks so much for having me.